Welcome to the chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 84 of Chalk Talk, brought to you by the Painted Lines. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter at halfandhalf underscore TPL. I'm joined tonight by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jr. underscore. Mark, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Having a great night. Uh, Sixers won big there. We have the 12 and one Eagles team to talk about. I'm sitting here, you know, researching draft picks for our number five pick uh, currently held by the Eagles from the Saints. I said it a lot of times on this podcast, but it's a great time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. It is. It is. Uh, lots of exciting. Well, I don't know. I don't even know if there is that much to talk about with the Eagles this week. They, they, they're, when you're so dominant in a game, there's really not that much to talk about, but we'll try and talk about it anyways. Uh, we'll start off with the Eagles like we always do, is the Eagles just roll the Giants, 48-22. to 22. Uh, Mark, I have to retract something that I said on this podcast not very long ago. A couple weeks ago that I said uh, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP until, until otherwise stated. Well, I'm mm-hmm. stating otherwise now that Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the NFL this season. What a phenomenal performance. What a phenomenal stretch of games from Jalen Hurts. And it certainly, you know, helps the case that the that Mahomes had the game that he had and that they lost two weeks ago. And, you know, we'll get into some of that other stuff. But Jalen Hurts is the MVP. He, he's playing incredible football. The Eagles' offense is nearly unstoppable. I put out a stat on Twitter today that on early downs, the Eagles are ranked number one in total EPA and they have 28% more EPA on early downs than number than second place. And if you look at just rushing EPA, they have nearly 500% more EPA running the ball on early downs than second place. It's just this offense is so good, man. Yeah, I mean, as the, the win disparity builds uh, between the Eagles and the next best team in football – and as Jalen Hurts continues to improve and improve and improve upon what we thought were career peaks, uh, it's just it's becoming harder and harder to deny Jalen Hurts in the MVP conversation. And in honesty, just it's becoming harder and harder to just deny him in general. Uh, Steven Ruiz right now does a, a piece every week on The Ringer. Uh, this was just brought to my attention by, uh, by my buddy Pat Moran, who you can follow Pat Moran or at Pat Moran 3. Um, he's a good follow for, for Philly sports stuff. Steven Ruiz ranks quarterbacks for the ringer every week. He's still putting Jalen Hurts 11. Yeah, it's just a bit at this point. If you don't have Jalen Hurts as a top 10 quarterback in the league right now, uh, it's a bit, and you're doing it for clicks. And I, I'm not. I I like Stevens' work and stuff, but that's just ridiculous at this point. At a certain point, we have to put aside our preconceived notions on a player when they're proving it wrong on the football field. Like, it seems like there is a large portion of the NFL media, and you know, not trying to come at them because. A lot of them cover a singular team and you're so embedded with that team that it does become hard to kind of, you know, judge the rest of the NFL, I guess, uh, if you want to give them that. And a lot of those people, I I think, saw Jalen Hurts struggle in the playoffs last year against Tampa Bay 
and basically decided over the offseason that the Eagles could not be legitimate this year because Jalen Hurts is a disqualifying guy from being a contender. And it seems like through a couple weeks this year, we felt like a lot of NFL media were saying, oh, but they haven't played anybody, they haven't played anybody, all this stuff to kind of detract it. It seems like most of the NFL media has kind of accepted at this point due to stats and facts that the Eagles are pretty clearly the most well-rounded team in football and that Jalen Hurts is playing like an MVP. But there is still that 10 to 20% of those doubters that are just completely unwilling to put aside their preconceived notions on the Eagles and more especially on Jalen Hurts. And at a certain point, it's just asinine. I mean, the guy is very clearly playing the best football in the NFL right now. And that's coming from someone who has said time and time again that Patrick Mahomes is the most talented player to ever play the position. But what Jalen Hurts is doing right now, this year in 2022, so far has been better than what Patrick Mahomes has done in 2022. Now, that doesn't mean I'd rather have Jalen Hurts than Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that I'd rather have him in the playoffs than Patrick Mahomes. But it also has to mean a heck of a lot better than 11th among the quarterbacks that I'd, that I'd like to have. Geno Smith is above him on that list. Brady, Brady and Rodgers were above him on that list. Deshaun Watson was above him on that list. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Got a comment here. Uh, coming in on YouTube's A Reviews says, it's interesting to see how it hurts thrives in structure compared to Carson thriving out of structure in 2017 uh, it's fun to compare and that's true like I mean he's just been so good like he's not your he's not he's not a running quarterback that needs to be out of structure like the book on Jalen Hurts last year was keep him in the pocket and make him throw the ball and he will beat you doing that every time you ask him to this season like I don't know how you game plan to stop this Eagles offense they don't have a weakness like you can look at teams like the Chiefs or the Bills or the Bengals, and I can tell you, like, theoretically, this is how you stop that offense. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do it because they're unbelievable passing offenses. But here's the blueprint. Here's how you could do it if it was possible. The Eagles, I don't know what you do because there's three different things they can kill you with, and you, you can't structure a defense to stop all three at the same time without putting 13 guys on the field. And that's illegal, fortunately. So I don't know how you stop the Eagles offense. I mean, in this game alone, they opened the game with a 14 play, 84 yard touchdown drive, followed up with a 12 play, 91 yard touchdown drive, starting behind the 20, both times they jump out to an early lead. Uh, and then it just, it just snowballs from there at the pass rush goes off in this game, sack city. Uh, my favorite thing in this game is Brandon Graham getting three sacks. So he's at eight and a half now. Uh, he only needs one and a half more sacks to set a new career high, hit double digits for the first time in his career. So I'm definitely pulling hard for that uh, over the next few weeks. But the Eagles clinch a playoff berth. They're 12-1. and one. They have a two-game lead on the Vikings and a tiebreaker, so effectively a three-game lead. They've got a two-game lead on the Cowboys. Like They can clinch the one seed even if they don't win the Christmas Eve game, and that's just crazy. Yeah, I mean – We've talked about the numbers game against the Eagles offense at nauseum at this point. It feels like I just talk about it every single week or at least every week removed from the commanders week and maybe the Colts week. But 
there is no correct answer on how to stop this team. Like you said, with the other teams, with the with the Chiefs, you go and watch what the Bengals do. I mean, that's that's really the answer. The Bengals have figured them out better than than anyone else in the sport. With the Cowboys, you probably double CD. You commit to stopping the run. You don't worry about Dak running, and you make Dak beat you by throwing to Dalton Schultz and Michael Gallup. That's probably the 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 choice that you that you that you have to go with there. But with the Eagles, there is not a correct choice. You can either you know sell out to, to stop the run, and Jalen's going to beat you with Brown and, and Smith and Goddard when he comes back, or you can sell out to stop those guys, and they'll do what they did against Green Bay running the football. There really is – I mean, I don't know what I would even do personally if I was a defensive coordinator. I'd probably put a spy on Jalen and, like, sell out for the pass, but, like, those two ideas kind of go against each other. There, There is no – like, I really don't know what I would do to game plan against this team. Uh, Shane, I don't know. This might be short notice to ask you for this, and I should have asked you for it before the podcast, a little, you know, behind the scenes here for the people. Uh, but that the, the clip that I sent you today um, referring to that, uh, that that short yardage, could you find that play and pull it up to play on here? Uh, yeah, if you give me a second. I'll, I'll yeah, give you gonna... something else to talk about real quick while I pull it up because this is phenomenal too. So, uh, of course, we have all the first. Jalen Hurts has 10 rushing touchdowns this season. He's the first quarterback to ever do it in back-to-back seasons. Brown hit 1,000 yards, first wide receiver for the Eagles since Macklin in 2014. Uh, Sanders also was the first 1,000-yard rusher for the Eagles since that same season, 2014, with LaShawn McCoy. And then you have the Eagles overtaking the Cowboys for most sacks and for pass rush win rate for uh, uh, ESPN's pass rush win rate metric. And so the Eagles' defense is for real. The Eagles' offense is for real. It's just incredible. Uh, I don't know what the weakness is. We talked about, you know, people talked about the commander's game as the blueprint, constantly getting into third downs and converting him. The Eagles over the last three weeks have allowed a third down conversion on 26% of third downs. Like that's not much of a blueprint. The offense has scored 43 points per game and had 468 yards per game over the last three weeks. Like the NFL is cyclical. And you hope the Eagles aren't peaking too soon. But there's not a team in the NFL that can beat the Eagles right now. And you mentioned uh, the the Jalen Hurts uh, rushing touchdowns. I'm going to get to this play in in just a second. But you mentioned the Jalen Hurts rushing touchdowns. If anyone out there is inclined to gamble, I do host a gambling radio show, the Tough Cover Radio Show on The Gambler. And I, you can just – I I do a pick segment every, every week on there. I write a column at Philly Influencer with my NFL picks every week. And you can just assume Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown is on there every single week until the books make it anything more than minus 130. I mean, they, they haven't even went to minus 120. You, you've been getting it at minus the last couple of weeks. Before that, it was plus money uh, for the entire year. Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown for the last two years has been the best value bet um, in all of sports, in my opinion. But that's just a quick aside. Uh, back to the Eagles, if you want to pull that play back up. Nick Sirianni is the coach of the year right now, and it's for plays like this. I mean, uh, it's just – obviously, everyone thinks they're going to sneak it, and they 
use that against the defense. This is just like yet another example of there are no right answers uh, against this defense. If you and, and it's kind of funny because I feel like the last couple broadcasts have talked about it, where they're like, "Oh, here comes the QB sneak. They're making it obvious. Like yeah, they're they're going to push him ahead." And by the way, like even if they make it obvious, it should still work like ninety five percent of the time. Um, but when you do completely sell out for that, it is funny to see Sirianni almost just toying. I mean, I guess it's Steichen, but Sirianni and Steichen together kind of just toying with the Giants' defense. And that's just, you know, that's coach of the year stuff right there. My favorite thing, too, is so they, they come up to the line and they did like a play where Hurts instead of like, diving forward he ran off tackle and like he would have had a long ways to run but wouldn't you know some Giants player had a phantom injury like we've seen week in and week out when you rush up for the no huddle uh, QB sneak and so you think well they burned their trick play they're just going to sneak it now and they come out with that and I, it's just hilarious I love what I love the things they're putting on tape just making people think about right now no you're absolutely right that, that's absolutely what they're doing and back to the to the coach of the year thing, Mike McDaniel and Brian Dable were probably his main like competition, right? Mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel lost a couple in a row now. Brian Dable lost a couple in a row now. I guess Dan Campbell's entered the conversation. He still started one and six. Like, if this team goes 16 and one, 15 and two, we might be talking about a coach of the year and MVP. You know, I, I don't know. This is a, it's a pretty special year. Yeah. Uh, go to a couple comments here before we move on to the rest of the slate. We got Gage asks, "Who does Hertz remind you of the most?" Uh, said to me, "He looks like a young Wilson." Uh, and then had another comment said that has seen a lot of Drew Brees with legs comparison for how good he is in the pocket right now. Uh, if you were going to compare Jalen Hurts to some other, you know, historic quarterback, do you have a good comparison? I feel like it's got to be Russ. Yeah, I, I. but he runs way more than Russ ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's hard to compare it to Russ. It, it really is unique. Like, And even the way he runs is extremely unique. Like, It almost feels like he's constantly surveying what's ahead of him. And, and you know, it's not constantly looking. To, I mean, he will juke a guy out and, you know, get freaky, as he, as he told Steve Mariucci. But more than anything, I feel like he's just looking for the pylon, looking for the first down marker, looking to get out of bounds before a big hit. He's just he's, he's an extremely smart runner. And the way that he runs is so different than anyone I've ever seen that it kind of becomes hard to compare him because of that. Like, there are similarities with him in the pocket to a lot of different guys, and you can break those down. But he's such a unique runner with the way that he runs at the quarterback position. Yeah, I'm really bad at player comps, so I'll just go with that. That's my least favorite part of like the draft cycle is all the player comps. I'm like, I don't know. He plays like him. I, I don't know. <laughs> you, I actually, I like player comps more than most, and I, I, I do find it really fun just because I, I think it, it it's more about archetypes than anything else. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I think that most of the time that becomes a trace a trait based conversation and. I, I think that those are worth having because especially in the draft, it's like, oh, well, what's kind of the ceiling for this type of guy? And you do, and in your own way, you do do that. I mean, I remember yeah. Devontae Smith. Um, I, I remember you were – and you weren't out on Smith. You, I think you still had him top 10, top 15. 
But you were saying, basically, if he succeeds, it's an anomaly for his size and for his traits. I kind of look at player comps the same way, but quarterback is really tough. I, I mean, quarterback, yeah. sometimes it, it uh, sometimes there are like such obvious one-to-one comparisons, but quarterback is obviously such a, new, a nuanced position, more so than any other position in sports, really, uh, that it does become so unique to each player. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, well, uh, do you have anything else you want to throw out there about the Eagles before we move on to a wild Thursday night game? Well, maybe not on the Eagles. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, the New York fraud, fraud. I was trying to work in a fraud ball, New York fraud ball Giants. I don't know. <laughs> uh, something. So there's something there. But the, the New York Giants, wow, they are who we thought they were, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can put a you can put a lot of makeup on a pig, but eventually it's gonna be found out. Like Brian Dable's a fantastic coach, <laughs> but he could only get them so far with that roster and with all the injuries they had to. I mean, they're they're so beat up, but they they defied the odds early in the season and they're coming back down to earth now. I I think I don't I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs. Although I don't. Uh, we said a few weeks ago the Seahawks, uh, Washington, and New York. Three of those, te- two of those three teams were going to make it, and I kind of think oh. Seattle and the Giants are both going to miss it now, and the Lions are going to take that spot. <laughs> I kind of think so too. I, I, bizarre. We're going to talk about that. I, I I'm kind of buying into to believing it. Probably has more to do with feeling negatively about the Seahawks and Giants right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but man, I am pretty low on both of those organizations. I mean, I think if, it might be a little long for a podcast title, but you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still going to oink. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> that, that might have to be it, but yeah, you're exactly right. Brian Dable. That's the phrase I was looking for. That's the phrase I was looking for. I don't for. even think that's a phrase, but I, I like I, – It's I, something I about out, lipstick or makeup and a pig. I don't know. Something like that. I, we got another comment here. We could go with the New York Lions. That's like that's that. not bad either. I like that, Zay Reviews. I also saw another comment that we didn't mention earlier from, from Crabby Old Man. Funny funny thing there. But I, it, Hertz can outrun those spies. Um, I imagine that is in response to me saying I'd probably put a spy on Hertz. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right that it's probably a, a fool, a foolish move to, to spy Hertz, but I just don't know what you do alternatively. Uh, you have to have at least someone to try to slow him down. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, I, I just wanted to address that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I the Giants are definitely missing the playoffs in my opinion, and I think you can tell that. Do you have you taken a look at any of the betting lines for this week, Shane? I haven't. No. What do you think the Giants at Commander spread is? Uh, six and a half. Uh, you you went high, so it's Commanders by four and a half, which okay. is still which is still like generally if they're if they were to lay it as Commanders minus two, they'd basically be telling you that they think the teams are even, but they're giving Washington the points due to them being at home. home. Field. But them being four and a half, that means that they generally think they're about two and a half points better than the Giants, who they tied two weeks ago so um I, I think the nfl or the nfl i think the the gambling community is telling you what they think uh, of this giants team every week that they make these spreads even when the giants were seven and one or seven and two whatever they were 
the Vegas never bought in because the underlying numbers and the DVOA and all of those things told you that, man, that pig was wearing a lot of lipstick. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wait, gonna... actually, I'm sorry. I, I, I totally forgot to mention this. The Giants totally screwed at quarterback forever mm-hmm. now. They, that's yeah. the best. The, honestly, this might have been like the best possible outcome um, for, for Eagles fans because I was a little bit nervous that they had this Brian Dable guy and he was going to fix them. And we all knew it wasn't going to happen this year. But even when they were 7-2, and two, we knew it wasn't going to happen this year. But I thought, man, for the future, this is scary. I'm kind of back to thinking that they're going to be stuck with Daniel Jones for another year or two and have absolutely no avenue to acquiring his replacement. The biggest mistake that the Giants made this offseason was not drafting Malik Willis when he was there in the second round. Like, or maybe Desmond Ritter. We'll see. Or, or maybe Desmond Ritter. One of those guys should have been a Giant, especially when you're bringing in a QB guru head coach and – all that stuff, they should have done that, but that's neither here nor there. I blasted them for that on the draft show. So, um, so anyway, if, if you're new to the show here, if you're a first-time live viewer, your first-time listener on, on Apple Podcasts, uh, what we do is we spend about the first 20 minutes talking about the Eagles game, and then we throw it around the NFL. We know our primary audience is Eagles fans, but you guys don't get to watch all the games. So we watch them for you. We, we break them all down so you guys know what is going on around the league as well. So we're going to throw it to the Thursday night game now where the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> traveled to Los Angeles to take on the Rams, and they lost 17-16 to in a game that was not interesting at all until the final five minutes uh, when Baker Mayfield, who had been with his team for two days, let a 98-yard drive, down six with a minute 45 left and no timeouts. Like, I can't emphasize the no timeouts thing enough. Not only was he running an offense that he's only been in for two days, but he was doing it in a no-huddle situation with no timeouts. And he capped that 98-yard drive, hitting Van Jefferson on a fade to win the game. Per next-gen stats, he had three tight window completions, over 20 air yards on that final drive. Uh, Playing let alone winning in that case, playing two days after joining a team is the shortest a QB has ever done that before. And then to lead that drive and all of that. And he didn't even start the game. John Wolford started the game and then he got benched after going three and out despite all three plays being run plays, which I just thought was hilarious. So uh, the Rams win and for Eagles, for the Eagles sake, cause we like to keep a little bit of an Eagles perspective. The fact that the Rams won, uh, now puts them, I believe, at four wins as well, even with the Saints. And they look to have a little bit of juice now. They got a long week this week. Uh, so if the Rams could manage to outpace the Saints over the last four weeks of the season, the Eagles could see that draft slot go up one, uh, courtesy of Baker Mayfield. I hate to be the Debbie Downer here. <laughs> I really, really, really hate to be the Debbie Downer. And by the way, like, been incredibly fair to Baker over the last couple of years. Like, I think I'm pretty objective on Baker. Like, I'm not a Baker hater like a lot of people are. I'm not a Baker lover like a lot of people are. I'll just say that the Raiders' defense is, like, bottom three in pretty much every statistic that you could possibly find. And they scored, what, how many? 17 points, right? Yeah. Yeah, 17. I, I, I get it that the last drive was masterful. Like, it absolutely was. And, you know, the Rams have a lot of injuries. They're really bad. Like, all those things adding into it. But, you know, you scored 17 points coached by, like, an 
absolute football oracle against the bottom three defense. And, you know, I'm going on Twitter the next day and people are talking about it. Like he just like put up 45 and, you know, I, I'm not a hater, like whatever. It was awesome. Baker had his moment. That's cool. That, that's, that's definitely nice. I, that's, that's pretty, I must feel awesome for him after what he's been through. Um, some deserved, some not. Uh, but yeah, the Raiders, man, I, I guess I'll focus on the Raiders side of things real quick, just because I think everyone else is going to talk about Baker. Um, this is just, I mean, this is like one of the worst losses of the last decade, just in terms of being up 16, three with what, how much time left where I forget was it three minutes and change or yeah, something, something like that. Like that. I mean, that is just egregious, egregious decision-making that leads you to losing that game, being up 13. I'm pretty sure the win expectancy was like 99.7. Like, it's just, man, that should be a fireable offense. Yeah, I mean, McDaniels should have never been hired to begin with, but they're stuck with him, as we've talked about before. They're a cash-poor organization that's still paying John Gruden, so they're not going to be paying Josh McDaniels. I think they're stuck with him, uh, at least for another year. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they have the money to pay him right now, let alone fire him and then pay him. So I think I think they'll just like keep him employed and like keep giving him like IOUs. It'll yeah. be like he'll just build that up, yeah. But yeah, they, I I think Mark Davis thinks he's a nice guy and won't fire him because uh, he likes him. And I think Mark Gruden probably would have kept John Gruden forever. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into the Sunday slate. Uh, the New York Jets at the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo wins 20-12, to but uh, they didn't look good doing it. And uh, The Jets have a really good defense, that's for sure. But this game started with 10 consecutive punts, five by each team. Then Buffalo scored on four straight possessions to take a 20-7 to lead. And then they had three straight three and outs, but they were able to hang on and win the game. The Bills were two of 13 on third downs. They only put up 232 yards of offense. So uh, it's been a rough stretch for the Bills offensively. On the Jets side, Mike White left the game two times due to injuries. He came back both times. He ultimately went to the hospital after the game for rib injuries. <laughs> Just I, I don't I don't know where we put the threshold of like, player toughness and player safety, but he might have crept over that a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. Joe Flacco and Michael Carter each lost a fumble in this game. Your guy, Gregory Rousseau, uh, stepped up in a big way, so the Bills just get the news Vaughn Miller is done for the year. Uh, the rest of the Bills' front seven stepped up. They had seven players that had three or more pressures. Gregory Rousseau led the charge with two sacks, two QB hits, a tackle for loss, and five pressures. He also batted a pass, and he stripped the ball from Flacco on his fumble. So a huge day for Gregory Rousseau and that Bills front seven. Uh, and if the offense doesn't pick it up, the, that Bills pass rush is going to have to keep churning out games like this. Yeah, Rousseau's been really good as of late. Uh, he's definitely kind of putting it together. Uh, shout out to my, uh, my – I probably had him as like a top six player in that draft. I absolutely loved Rousseau. Um, so I hope he, he continues it and keeps it up. Uh, this is weirdly a game I kind of walked out feeling worse about both teams. Uh, that, that's not very, you know, that's not common, I guess, because they're usually a winner and a loser and a team you feel better about and a team you feel worse about. But, man, the Jets' offense, it just gets really, really hot and cold, um, even before the Mike White injuries. But 
The Mike White injuries, I, I watched these games uh, as I do often at a sports book. So every game was on. And I was watching with a couple of people who had money on. I think he had the under in that game. So he was focused on that game. And I kept, I wasn't as focused on this game. This was not a game that I had bet on. Mike White just like kept getting injured. And I just kept assuming that that would be the last time we saw Mike White. And then it just wouldn't be. Like five minutes later, I'd look up at the screen and Mike White would be like on the field. And I was like, I just saw this man look like he broke every rib in his body. How is he? How is he still standing? You're you're absolutely right that it. He's doing his best Hydra impersonation. You cut one head off the snake, and another one takes its place. Yeah, it was insane. the The last hit that he came back from yet again was one of the most vicious hits you'll see in the modern NFL. I guess it was clean, like because it was to the midsection. But it was like a it was a, a full on. I don't know any WWE fans out there, but. A full-on Roman Reigns, Goldberg, you know, whoever you want to say, spear, edge. Uh, it, it was a full-on spear to the midsection. Uh, and he, you know, curled into the fetal position after. He was back 10 minutes later. Mike White, man. I mean, for what, whatever we want to say and whatever we want to criticize, I'm not criticizing Mike White, by the way. I'm probably criticizing the Jets medical staff for, for letting him get back on the field. Um, but... There is a you can see why this team and the defense and the locker room has bought into a guy like Mike White while completely selling Zach Wilson down the river. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Zach Wilson didn't feel like he let the the defense down when he scored three points. So, yeah. yeah and Mike White feels like he lets the defense down if he doesn't go out with like internal bleeding and a broken rib cage for him to go out and, and continue slinging it. I mean, that was one of the gutsier things I've seen in, you know, modern, modern sports didn't, didn't matter. And it was probably dumb. They scored 12 points, but it, yeah. it, it was definitely, definitely impressive. The bills offense has some serious problems though. This game was zero zero with like 30 seconds left in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be worth watching for the bills. If their offense can hit its stride again, uh, as they ramp up for the playoffs. But uh, let's go to another game uh, here with a t- contender, a potential Super Bowl contender in the Cincinnati Bengals. They host the Cleveland Browns, and they win 23-10. to And a game marred by injury. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins both left this game early with injuries, but Jamar Chase, who's just back off of injury, had 10 receptions for 119 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Deshaun Watson... Uh, he looked good early. He was 17 of 23 for 201 yards and a touchdown at one point, but he only completed nine of his final 19 passes for 75 yards and an interception to close out the game as the Browns just sort of fell apart. Uh, the first time these teams met this year, the Bengals gave up 140 yards to the Browns rushing attack. On Sunday, they held Nick Chubb to 2.4 yards per carry and Kareem Hunt to 1.5 yards per carry so the Bengals offense is hitting its stride their defense is hitting uh their stride it, it really feels like to me that the Bengals are transforming into the favorite to come out of the AFC right now yeah I mean they're at least the I still think Kansas City probably has a nudge on them just from having Patrick Mahomes even though it's tough to make that argument when since he owns uh Patrick Mahomes right now and they've won three straight times but this, more than anything for me, was good to see Cincy get the Cleveland monkey off their back. Joe Burrow, I, I don't think, had beat the Browns yet in his career. 
Um, so it was nice to see them come out, win the game 23-10, to 10, uh, kind of control the game the whole way, it felt like. Uh, and, yeah, I, I agree. I think Cincinnati, if I had to make a pick right now of who's coming out of the AFC, I think they're going to repeat as AFC Conference champions. Uh, and that's pretty crazy to say from someone who uh, I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs in the preseason. I thought there would definitely be a, a regression. And I, I think that they have completely – uh, proven that wrong. And I'm glad that I put in, I, I said it on this show about a month ago um, that I was buying in and I put in a long shot future on them um, to win the AFC. I think 20 to one or something, something crazy. I got a, a really good price on them to win the AFC. So I'll, I'll be rooting the Bengals hard just like I was last year when I had a pretty good price on them to win the AFC. Yeah. Jamar Chase in this game joined Randy Moss as the only player in NFL history with 2000 yards and 20 touchdowns before they turned 23 years old. Uh, he also joined Devonte Adams and Brandon Marshall as the only players with 10 plus receptions in a game where they were also sacked. So uh, <laughs> fun little stat there, but Jamar, Jamar kind of finally looked like himself in this game again. Not that he's been having a bad year, but he's not, having some of the stat lines we we got used to last year in the playoffs and uh, leading up to the playoffs. So uh, 10, 10 plus catches. I think he had two touchdowns in this game, right? Um, yeah. He had one touchdown. It was uh, oh, okay. 10 for 119 and a touchdown. Okay. For some reason I thought he had two, but yeah, that, he definitely, uh, definitely played really well. The T Higgins thing is funny. I know you're not a fantasy guy. Um, and, and you said he got hurt in the game. So I wasn't, again, this was one of the games I wasn't as closely tuned in on, but uh, was, was there an obvious injury or something? Cause I had heard that they played him one snap and they made him active and then they didn't play him again. And a lot of the fantasy community was furious with Zach Taylor. And I guess Zach Taylor did this last year with Mixon or something. And, and People were saying like Zach Taylor is is dead to the fantasy community. Higgins he had a he injured his hamstring last week, and he was they were planning to play him, and he aggravated it during warmups. Uh, and so okay. I think at that point he was already like you declare your actives and stuff before warmups. So he basically he essentially got injured in warmups, and then he tried to go and he played like one play and couldn't do it. So. I don't know. I, I don't think you can just like change an injury designation during warmups. I think you have to declare your actives before that. I'm not positive on that, but I, I I'm all for blaming Zach Taylor for things. That one might not be his fault. <laughs> I have to, I think I have to throw the. I think I have to throw my. I don't even know what the right analogy is, but I think I have to like stop criticizing Zach Taylor. I guess he's good at his job, even though I feel like he's not. <laughs> but, but I guess he does something right. Yeah, he, he has a good quarterback. <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably right. All right. Uh, let's talk about teams that maybe don't have good quarterbacks. Houston at Dallas. Uh, maybe we'll incite some Dallas fans here. But Dallas uh, pulls, pulls it out at the end. They win 27-23. to 23. Uh, You really got to hand it to Dak for leading a game-winning drive against the one-win Texans, you know, bouncing back from those two interceptions he threw. Uh, Dallas should have lost this game. Dak threw an interception that handed the Texans the ball at the four-yard line with a three-point lead, but Houston walked away with zero points. And then the Cowboys went on a 98-yard touchdown drive to win the game, where Dak did look good. Um, but Dallas almost losing to a team rotating Davis Mills and Jack Dris or Jeff Driscoll 
uh, at quarterback. That's concerning. And Dak's been turnover prone this season. He has five in the last three games. He's only got two games this season without a turnover. And they enter a situation where even if they win out, they need some help from the Eagles losing to, to get the division. And they don't have an easy schedule. They have Jacksonville, who suddenly looks like they could be interesting. They have the Eagles at the Titans and at Washington. So they've got a pretty difficult schedule. They're clearly going to make the playoffs, but I think it's going to be as a five seed, as a wild card. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that's what you can expect from Dallas at this point. Um, I think it'd be a shock for them to get the one seed. Uh, but I'm pro- I'm not freaking out about Dallas long-term, saying that, like, oh, they're no longer a contender or a threat to us. But it is definitely, I mean, you raise your eyebrows and you kind of give it a side-eye, the fact that they weren't able to put Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll away and got outplayed. They absolutely should have lost this game. Those picks from Dak were egregious, egregious interceptions. And that comes from someone who defends Dak day long i think dak is really a very good quarterback and i think a lot of people underrate him but uh in this game he played terrible uh, the the one interception on on the five yard line was absolutely egregious um but yeah i i, I don't have much to say about this game it's just hard to you know they're a 17 and a half point favorite at home and you come out and you win by well, i don't even know by four by three whatever it was yeah, it's it's definitely something you have to take a look at, and I just don't want to hear from Cowboys fans unless they beat us and then get the help to to get the buy. I just have no time to listen to Cowboys fans after that game. Yeah, I will say for Texans fans, I'll throw you a bone here and say that Jalen Petrie, uh, who's one of my guys in the draft, by the way, 36th on my big board, he had 12 tackles. He had two passes defensed. He looked pretty good in this game. So uh, the Texans have some nice young pieces with Damian Pierce and Jalen Petrie, but it's largely a roster void of talent. Uh, they're going to load up. They're going to go get the quarterback of their choice this offseason and probably well, a new coach, and maybe things will look up for them moving forward. Well, they, uh, they better make the right decision with their quarterback um, because – I think there's a very right one and a very wrong one. And Bryce Young is the right one, and C.J. Stroud is the wrong one. I'm not saying I'm out on C.J. Stroud yet, but I've already seen some debate there. I kind of thought throughout the regular season of college football that Bryce Young had wrestled that away from Stroud. I guess I had just seen enough mocks that had Bryce won that I guess I had assumed that the group think became Bryce Young at one. There is a large gap, in my opinion, between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, but a fun little tidbit because the Texans with that loss pretty much, it looks like they're going to be the number one pick, no, no doubt about it. Um, do you know who is calling plays and who is the offensive coordinator for Bryce Young at Alabama right now? Uh, I do not. Bill O'Brien. <laughs> so he'd be going from Bill O'Brien to Bill O'Brien's old team. Uh, the Houston Texans. I thought that maybe was they, a, a maybe they funny should just hire thing. Bill O'Brien. Yeah, back. bring him back. Bring Don't Bob do back. Houston, do not do that. <laughs> I'm actually team Bill O'Brien was never as bad as people wanted him to be. But hey, who am I to who am I to say? I think he's just, you know, am I allowed to curse on this show, Shane? Uh, PG thirteen. I, th- I, I think he's an asshole. I think I think Bill O'Brien's just an a hole. I think. <laughs> I think that's why people don't like him. I'm not saying he's a genius or anything, 
But I think you can take a look at where the Texans were when they had him, even before Watson, and you can take a look at where the Texans are now, and those are a lot different places. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. you talked about Vegas earlier. Let's move to a game that Vegas pegged. They were on the money, and that was the Minnesota Vikings going to the Detroit Lions and being underdogs. And they lost 23-34 to after starting 1-6. and The Lions are in the playoff hunt after winning five out of their last six. Now, they need some help to get in. Uh, It all starts with a huge matchup this week on the road at the Jets, who have a fantastic defense. It's really a clash of styles. The Jets have a great defense, not a very good offense right now, and the Lions are the opposite. Somehow, with Jared Goff at quarterback, their offense is incredible, and their defense, not so much. But we talked about, we opened the show talking about the Giants and how they're frauds. Let's talk for a minute about the Vikings and the frauds that they are. The Lions became the fifth straight team to put up 400 plus yards of offense on Minnesota. Minnesota is just not a good football team. I know they've only got three losses. They beat the Bills. They're not a good football team. They're just not. And I think this is a this is a classic team that's going to host a playoff game and go one and done in the, in the playoffs this year. Well, yeah, it looks like they'll probably get a Washington or a Detroit, maybe a Seattle. Um, I bet they're praying for Seattle, but if they get a Washington or a Detroit in the first playoff game in Minnesota, they're going to be the underdogs. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly believe that. Like it'll be like thirteen and four Minnesota Vikings versus the nine and eight Detroit Lions, or versus the 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 ten six and one Washington Commanders. And the Commanders are going to be a favorite in that game, um, but. This game, I'm going to have more to say about the Lions than the Vikings because I've been critical of Dan Campbell in the past. I've been slow to buy in on the Lions uh, in this winning streak uh, when you know when they've been beating teams like the Bears and the Packers. Or I kind of rolled my eyes at it and said, "Let's wait until uh, they play a real team." Not that Minnesota's amazing as we just talked about, but they are a real team. They're they're at least above average. Um, so went into this game saying you know show me something Detroit like this is where you can officially show me that the the defense has improved enough to let the offense excel in the way it has and I I walked away from this game so impressed with both sides of the ball for Detroit Um, that defense has really come alive Um, Aiden Hutchinson has really come alive Uh, I've said that the last couple weeks but um, Rodrigo from Hard Knocks has become a legitimate player at linebacker. Like he went from this like Hard Knocks, you know, uh, cut line story. Like the way that they framed it in the first episode of Hard Knocks was like we weren't sure if he was going to make the team. He's become like one of the stories, uh, you know, of the linebacker position this year. Like I'm pretty sure his PFF rank is absurd. So um, they have a lot of pieces. Jeff Okuda. Another guy who finally living up to his billing and the rest of the secondary has really stepped up. And they, they have two first-round picks next year. They're going to make a run this year, I think, to at least compete for a wild-card spot. The future is bright for the Detroit Lions. Brad Holmes, I think, is the name of their GM. He's doing a, a fantastic job uh, over the last you know 15 months or however long it's been that he's been uh, probably a year actually that he's been their GM. They've made some some fantastic decisions, and uh, he, you know, 
you have to tip your cap to Dan Campbell because very clearly the entire roster is fully bought in on what he's selling and, you know, ready to run through a brick wall for him. Do I think he's an idiot? Yeah. But we'll, that, 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 will, that idiocy will reveal itself at some point later on down the line. But for now, he can rah-rah a very talented roster uh, to going on a run. I think he's doing that. Yeah. All right, let's go to Pittsburgh, where Baltimore beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 16-14 to in what became oh. the battle of backup and backups. Uh, backup I don't backups. really. Yeah, I don't really have much to say in this game. Tyler Huntley got injured, so the third-string quarterback for the Ravens entered the game. Kenny Pickett got injured, so Mitch Trubisky went back in and got picked mm-hmm. off three times. Uh, I guess the only real story for this game is, is the Ravens got J.K. Dobbins back, and he looked good. 120 mm-hmm. yards on 15 carries. Uh, he outpaced Gus Edwards, who had 66 yards on 13 attempts. So maybe that bodes well for their rushing game to have Dobbins back. Uh, but really, like you said, battle of backups and backup backups. So I really don't have much to say on this one. I loved Pittsburgh in this game. I, my biggest bet on Sunday was on Pittsburgh. I ended up having like the best Sunday I've had all year while losing my best bet. And it feels like I absolutely would have won my best bet and added on to what was a great Sunday if Kenny Pickett plays in that game because Mitchell Trubisky was dreadful. He was dreadful. He didn't care at all what he was doing. Like, he was just airing it out, like at least like props to him for you know taking chances. But he was taking chances and throwing it directly to the other team. And he had a deep ball to Deontay where Deontay actually kind of broke free. He overthrew him. I mean, it was like probably like a forty-yard deep ball. He overthrew him by ten steps. Like this is that was a performance yesterday by Mitch Trubisky that like when teams are going to hot to like sign their backup for one point seven mil next year and just looking for like a guy their starter gets along with like that tape of this game should exclude Mitchell Trubisky from those conversations. Like I would not want him as my backup after watching that game. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was bad. Uh, Mitch, Matt Nagy was a lot of the problem in Chicago for sure. Mitch Trubisky was awful as well. He's just not a good quarterback. The fact that they went to the playoffs like two straight years with, with Trubisky is Matt Nagy Crazy. might be a genius. Maybe we don't know it. No, he's not. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Justin Fields. Yeah, he literally him. runs mirrored curl flats every play. <laughs> Justin Fields makes the difference. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jacksonville at Tennessee. Jacksonville wins 26-22. to Trevor Lawrence threw for a career high 368 yards and three touchdowns in this one. Uh, he also rushed for one touchdown. Evan Ingram was the main beneficiary. Had 11 catches for 162 yards and two touchdowns on the bench for my fantasy team, of course. Uh, (laughs) Not that it mattered. I was able to eke out a win. I won't say who it was over, but uh, Uh, I I face him again in the playoffs this week. So back-to-back weeks. I don't anticipate doing this twice. uh, I was tanking. I wanted Shane back-to-back. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Uh, so the Jags forced four turnovers in this game, and they scored points off of all four of them. Trevon Walker had a strip sack. He's been he's been largely disappointing as a rookie, but he had a nice game here. He had an impact play. Uh, the Jags defense forced five three and outs. They forced a turnover on downs. So Jacksonville, you know, they have moments like this where they look good. Trevor Lawrence 
on passes of 10 plus air yards in this game was nine of 13 with two touchdowns. Uh, since week nine, he has six touchdowns and zero interceptions on those. In his first 25 games, he had 11 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. So he's getting better at pushing the ball downfield. And meanwhile, Tennessee has lost their third game in a row, uh, and the wheels are kind of falling off in Tennessee. Yeah, this is unlike a, a Mike Rabel team right now, what we're seeing from the Titans. And, you know, this is the type of performance that makes you think maybe Jacksonville – is back in the mix here. I think the Titans are going to lose to the Chargers this week. Unfortunately, the Jags play the Cowboys. That, I will be rooting for the Jags. I mean, obviously, we root for every team that plays the Cowboys, but I will be rooting for the Jags very, very hard um, this week against the Cowboys so they can get – it'd be more interesting just in terms of this podcast, the NFL, and everything if the Jags start pushing the Titans and we don't just have to deal with a four-seed – nine Titans team that never got pushed in their division. It'd be nice if Trevor Lawrence keeps this up and Jacksonville maybe pulls off an upset because then all they'd have to do at that point, if they win one game and the Titans lose one game, is they just have to beat Tennessee at that mm-hmm. point. And they do play again this year. I think it's week 18, actually. So uh, that is. actually, it, yeah, it, it could end up being a, a game for the division, which would be awesome. Um, so that's what I'm hoping for. But above all, above all, with anything in terms of the Jags' playoff chances and the Titans' playoff chances, I just want to see Trevor Lawrence continue this because this is what I thought I was getting. This is what I was buying in on. This is what I was calling the greatest quarterback prospect of my lifetime. Uh, and I believed it then. I still believe it now. And I'm so happy that he's finally showing everything that we thought he'd show just a year and a half late. Yeah, I, I think this is a this is a watershed moment for that division. That that division is going to run through Jacksonville starting next year, I think. I don't know that they'll get it done this year, but Doug Peterson's good. Trevor Lawrence is good. They're gonna load you know, they made they they signed some bad contracts this offseason, but they still got cap to work with. Like the Jags are gonna I think the Jags are gonna run the AFC South over the next five but- or six years. Those divisions are just going to turn into AFC Allen, AFC Burrow, AFC uh, Lawrence, and AFC Mahomes. <laughs> you can just rename those those four divisions. I mean, I you could throw you could throw Herbert or Tua or uh, you know Lamar. You could throw obviously there's a lot of names there, but I do think that you know Buffalo, Cincy, Kansas City, and Jacksonville are probably going to dominate those divisions over the next couple of years, if I had to guess. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the AFC Mahomes. Uh, Kansas City goes yeah. to Denver, and they win. It got a little dicey. They win 34-28. to 28. Oh. Uh, Kansas City was up 27-0 in this game behind the receiving prowess of Jarek McKinnon, who had two touchdowns, who was on the field for my fantasy team. Uh, he also had I- Isaiah Pacheco had 13 carries for 70 yards. Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions in this game. By the way, the same number of interceptions Jalen Hurts has this year, if we want to talk MVP. Uh, The Kansas City defense forced two turnovers in this game, including a pick six by Willie Gay Jr., but overall I would say the Chiefs' D had a bad day. Denver was averaging under 14 points a game, and they let them double that up. And anytime you let a team double their average point total, that's a bad look. Like Kansas City's defense has not been great this year, and for them to make – 
a legit playoff run, I think that defense is going to have to shape up over the next few weeks. Yeah, that, that's probably fair. Um, it, it That was a one of the crazier games I've ever seen. Um, I almost think that it like it's hard to even judge anything based on this game. I think that they just took their foot so far off the gas pedal, um, getting up 27 nothing. Denver got back in it so fast. Props to Denver. They, I mean, it doesn't matter, and Russ is hurt now, and obviously their season's been over, and they're a catastrophe. But props to them. Like, I actually was incredibly impressed by how they played um, getting back into this game. I thought Russ actually played. Um, pretty well before he got hurt uh, and to lead that comeback. I thought Judy was playing pretty well, even though he was getting in ref spaces and screaming at them. Um, this was a, a bizarre, bizarre game. That pick six that the Chiefs had well, it was a pretty crazy play in, in its own right. Um, I am a little upset with the Chiefs for blowing the cover there after being up 27 nothing. But, you know, we, they'll, they'll get past that. I, I look at that just as, like, weird, you know, I'm struggling to find the uh, the analogy, um, but just a game in and of itself. Like I, I'm not going to look at that game and judge it over a season a season long thing. I, I think the defense is probably not good enough to win the Super Bowl, but I don't think they're that many notches away from being good enough when you have Mahomes and Kelsey on the other side. Uh, it, it's probably going to just just depend on how dominant Mahomes is more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Mahomes can cover a lot of evils, but it would be nice if Mahomes could just have an okay game and still win because his defense picks him up, yeah. and that just hasn't been happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to Seattle Seahawks, who hosted the Carolina Panthers, Ooh. and they lost 30-24. to Seattle, how's this for a stat? Seattle is 0-4 this season against the NFC South. That That's is just, bizarre. By the way, just because you said that, you just jogged my memory. I had these stats ready, literally written in my notes to talk about for the Chiefs, and then we just buzzed right by it, and I didn't mention it. The Chiefs are 10-0 against the Broncos, and they've never lost the road game. Or Mahomes is 10-0 against the Broncos, and he's never lost a road game in the AFC West. Just wanted to throw those out there. That's insane. <laughs> that is insane. But, yeah, okay. 0-4 versus the, the NFC South. That is, you know, a, a quick way to, to you know, eliminate yourself from the playoffs if you're Seattle. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Seattle is on the struggle bus. Meanwhile, Carolina could win the South. They could be a playoff team. They, they have a 33% chance right now per 538. Wow. That jumps to a 68% chance if they beat Tampa Bay in week 17. So if they can take, if they could beat Tampa in week 17, they, they're, they're almost a lock to make the playoffs. So, you know, they got to keep, they got to keep going here, but how hilarious would it be if they fire Matt rule? They're on like their third quarterback of the year and it's Sam Darnold, by the way, and they end up making the playoffs. I don't buy it. I got to tell you, I think the Panthers stink. Um, I think this was totally just like a nonsense game. Um, they went up 7 nothing. They had a nice drive where they ran the ball down the field and that, that led off the game. And then Gino throws a pick six. And yeah. it's it's 14 nothing. And at that point, I, I think it becomes pretty hard. I mean, from that for the rest of the game, the Seahawks outscored them 24-16. Sam Darnold had 120 yards passing in this game. Yeah, the and, Panthers and, ran the ball 46 times in this game. Yeah. 
this is this is nonsense. Like <laughs> this is not this is not going to continue. Like I, I've heard like a lot of takes like on podcasts, like people buying into Carolina and saying, oh, they're gonna they're gonna win the division. I mean, you just said thirty three percent there. I actually like literally my jaw dropped. Like I I did not I mean, think it would be that high. Have you watched the Buccaneers play football? We're gonna I talk know. about them in just a second. They're actually our next game. But before we get to them, <laughs> let me say. Seattle has lost three of their last four. Hey, good news for them. They have a get right game next week as they travel to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs, though. So I'm sure things are looking up for the Seahawks. And they played San Fran this week. Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a nightmare for, for Seattle there with the schedule. Um, but, yeah, I, I my brain will not allow me to let Tampa lose this division. Like oh. every time I think about it and every time I look at the schedules, I'm like, yeah, but Tampa's going to win it. Like every time I look at it, my brain just like won't allow Carolina or New Orleans or anyone to enter the conversation. The only thing I've let enter the, the conversation of possibility is like, what if Desmond Ritter's good? And then maybe Atlanta can just go and win the division and maybe we actually have like a decent team. Well, I had that written down wrong. It's, so it's San Fran Thursday night, then at Kansas City, then versus yeah. the Jets. They might lose their next three games. I think they'll probably be underdogs in all three of those games. I I know they're underdogs against San Fran, and I know they'll be underdogs against Kansas City. The Jets is the only question mark. And if it's in New York, they'll be underdogs. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant struggled in this game, but Brock Purdy played great. Just saying. <laughs> uh, San Fran wins 35-7. to Brock Purdy was 16 of 21 for 185 yards and two touchdowns with a rushing touchdown. Uh, in the second quarter, he completed more deep touchdown passes outside the numbers than Jimmy G has in the last three years combined. So, fun fact there. Uh, the bad news for the 49ers is Debo Samuel injured his ankle in this game. It is a high ankle sprain, and so those can linger. Uh, his health will obviously be paramount for a team playing Brock Purdy at quarterback. Um, I think the 49ers are very much still in contention, in my opinion. Uh, they've looked good on offense still. Now there's a sick, there's a cyclical nature of backup quarterbacks and teams figuring them out. But if anybody can take Brock Purdy and, and this defense and these weapons and make it work. It's D'Amico Ryans and Kyle Shanahan, but they have got to stop losing players to injury and injuries have not been kind to them the last couple weeks. They've got to get healthy uh, heading into the playoffs, but with the Seahawks stumbling, they look like, in my opinion, they're a lock to win their division. Uh, so they're going to get a host of playoff game. They've just got to get healthy. I mean, you said the, the injuries haven't been kind to them the last couple weeks. Injuries haven't been kind to them for what feels like a decade now. It feels like feels like the 49ers have just hurt every single year. It's such a high rate. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a shame. Like, we had that brief snapshot of McCaffrey, Mitchell, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle with Jimmy G. And it's like the, uh, like, Avengers. Like, one by one, they're just, like, disappearing into the into thin air. Like, there goes Elijah Mitchell. There goes Debo. There goes Jimmy G. Like, and it's still working. Like, obviously, you still have a, a lot of talent. Um, and with Debo out, another fantasy note here: Brandon Ayuk is going to be a league winner this year, in, in my opinion. I think he's going to he's going to propel teams. He, like, he's been a wide receiver too, or a flex all year. 
I think there's a good chance that without Debo, he's a top 10 fantasy receiver. So I think Ayuk will, will be big money down the stretch here. Um, San Fran, like you said, I think you can lock them into the three seed. Um, you can lock them into winning the NFC West. Uh, and you got to think that Kyle Shanahan, I mean, he hates the injuries, I'm sure. I'm sure he wishes that he, maybe outside of Jimmy G, maybe that he had his weapons. But you know that Shanahan has to be absolutely relishing in this Brock Purdy business. And you know he has to be like, yeah, that's that's right. I'm a genius, and you should all know it. Like, you know that's what he's thinking. Like, uh, he has to be. It's the same way that, like, Belichick loves winning these games ugly and, like, loved winning that 10-3 to game with, like, bad quarterback play to, like, stick it to Tom Brady that, like, quarterbacks don't matter or whatever Belichick thinks. In the same way, like, Shanahan – must love to be able to be like, yeah, it, I could basically like throw a homeless man out there and play quarterback and we'll be fine. Yeah. I was going to say that sounds a little Belichickian to me. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is. All right. Well, let's get on to the Sunday night game. Uh, the Miami dolphins at the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, I think the... my, I think my connection's a little fuzzy. I might have to back out. Uh... <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. In the battle of the 2020 draft class, number five pick, uh, Tua, Tua was fifth, right? I can't even remember. Yeah, Tua was fifth, Tua Herbert five, was sixth, yeah. yeah. And uh, it wasn't even close. I mean, the game was close. It wasn't close in terms of quarterback play. The Chargers win 23-17. to 17. Uh, Herbert was 39 of 51 for 367 yards. He had 13 completions on the run in this game, and Tua was – atrocious in this game he ends 10 of 28 passing for 145 yards and one touchdown at one point he was like three of 19 passing uh, it is the worst completion percentage in a game since sam darnold played in 2019 the chargers did what the 49ers did they pressed wide receivers they played man coverage like hill had a 60 yard touchdown against man but outside of that the passing offense did nothing and yeah, it was aided by a Tyreek Hill injury. He was nursing a shin. I think it was a shin uh, injury throughout the game. He was still in, in and out of the game. But to me, uh, and I'll, I'll get off of this in a second, but to me it just shows like all the discourse about Tua versus Herbert on Twitter leading up to the game. You have guys like Emmanuel Acho feeding into that. You remove one piece from the Jenga Tower for Miami – and the thing crumbles and Herbert's been playing without his entire offensive line and his top two receivers most of the season for an offensive moron in Joe Lombardi and the chargers are on the fringe. They have a shot to make the playoffs. They're 58% chance to make the playoffs right now. It jumps to 79% if they can win against the Titans next week. And meanwhile, like the, the dolphins look a little bit in free fall. We, we gave a lot of love to Mike McDaniel early in this year for potential coach of the year and all of this we're going to find out a lot about mcdaniel in the next week or two because his quarterback is rattled there appears to be a blueprint out for how to stop this high-powered attack i want to see what mcdaniel is going to do what buttons is he going to push i'm so fascinated to see and i thought i saw him try to do that some in in this game they started trying to attack well he started trying to dial up plays to attack the boundary because the Chargers were not respecting outbreaking routes at all, and Tua just wasn't throwing them. So he's got to figure out a way to get Tua to throw, you know, outside the numbers, uh, 
how to get him into a rhythm because right now Tua is looking as shaky as he ever has. Yeah, Tua played the worst game of his career um, while Justin Herbert played the best game of his career. I think it's going to make the discourse look stupid. Tua absolutely having a better season than Justin Herbert, uh, in my opinion, um, going into the game um, statistically and everything breaking into that. And I know that there's a lot of factors breaking into that. So I I don't just want to throw Tua away, and I think a lot of people are so fast to just get rid of Tua after any bad game. But this is obviously terrible. I mean, this is the worst game he's ever played, and, you know, that counts two years there in 2020 and 2021 where people thought he was terrible. But if you go back and look at the stats, he he really wasn't. Um, This game, he was bad. I mean, there's just no excuse for it. You know, Tyreek was obviously out for a lot of it, but even when Tyreek was in, I thought Tua would look really bad. Um, I've, I've seen some speculation about an injury. You know, that feels a little convenient. Um, but I, I just, you know, I, I do think you're right. I think uh, teams got him off schedule, and I think he got used to being on such a schedule and on such a, a strict game plan with McDaniel and with the weapons that he had that you take him out of that, and he had gotten so used to that routine um, that he just hasn't seemed to be able to adjust. And the best thing about Tua is his pocket presence. Um, that's always been the thing that I've pointed out the best. And I, I think his pocket awareness is among the best in football that disappeared this week. Um, it, it just, he didn't have it at all. As soon as they kind of took away the, what he wanted to see right away within the first three to five seconds, or I should say within the first three to five steps of his drop, um, he didn't know what to do. Um, and that's a concerning thing long-term. I don't think that that's too, a being unable to improvise because I think we've seen at Alabama and I think we've seen in the past that he has been able to improvise, but I don't think he's currently making the right decisions on what to do once his top options are taken away. Um, I think he'll be fine long-term, like, especially like after this year, like I, I think that they'll lose this week to Buffalo and then I think they'll get back on track. But realistically, this is probably more along the lines of what they were, and we do also have to consider the fact that they lost three games without Tua, uh, and at least two of those. I think we came on the podcast and said they probably would have won with average quarterback play. Um, mm-hmm. So them being eight and six, people are going to point and laugh at Tua. He's still eight and three. Like it's still been a, a market, like a massively successful season in any metric and way you want to shape it for Tua. Um, so here I am still caping for Tua, but Herbert was, you said eight and three, isn't it? Eight and two. Are you, I'm are you counting the first? The lo- I'm no, I'm already building in a bill. Oh, okay. Lo- <laughs> okay, okay. That was okay. what I was doing there when I was talking. That's my bad. I thought um, maybe you were counting the one that like the first game he got knocked out of. I was like, I don't think that's fair to even count that one, but you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He's eight and two, not even, not even eight. And yeah, that's crazy. Um, so I've already seen people being like, oh, what is Miami to a quarterback? And it's like, are we serious? Like, like, what are we doing as a society that a guy can win eight of his first nine games that he finishes and starts in, and then he has a bad game, and we're like, well, what's the long-term answer? It's just I, I kind of hate the instant you know, gratification of NFL Twitter sometimes. But uh, I, I don't want to take away from what Justin Herbert did in this game. I thought it was the best game he's ever played. Yeah, I mean, I will say I I do think that Miami is going to come to the crossroads where they need a quarterback. 
I've always been a little more out on Tua than you are. I, I we'll see though. I mean, it all comes down really to what McDaniel can dial up and if Tua can execute it. I don't. I'm not. I don't think Tua is a top ten quarterback. Um, I mean, obviously his perform his EPA his performances this year have been great. Just in terms of talent, I don't think he's one of those guys. But it's. I worked. think he's fringe. Fringe, maybe. Fringe top ten. Like I think he absolutely, and I think he played like a top ten guy, like you said, but. I think it's really, really hard at this point to say, like, we have to even talk about the conversation. Like, I just think he's the guy until we see he's not. And right now, like, that game we saw he's not. But And they're obviously not going to have a chance to even move on because they're going to be in the playoffs and they don't even have their own first-round pick. They lost that with the – was it the tampering? I can't remember what they actually lost it for. But Even if they – I think they – yeah, they did, I guess, lose their first-round pick due to tampering. That's crazy. Um, but even if they had the first pick, like mm-hmm. I, I'd be saying, like there's absolutely no way uh, you can move on from Tua after the way he played for the first nine games and his win loss record over his three years there. Not even just this year is is stellar. And I know QB wins is not like a, an exact stat, but I do think that there's something to be said for the fact that he's won like sixty percent of the games he's played. Yeah. It. It becomes paramount seeing how they're going to be able to respond. I think I think McDaniel is a really good offensive designer. Um, he's being tested now, and yeah. you know we've seen people come into the league guns blazing. You know, as Eagles fans, you think of Chip Kelly and how magical that his offense looked early on, and and then it got figured out, and he never could adjust. And we thought he was a genius for a while, and. We think the same thing about Mike McDaniel. It's paramount to see how he's able to adjust now with, I think, some limitations at quarterback is fair to say. Um, but I'm really interested, especially to see them go against the Bills this week, who has a very good defense with a very good pass rush. Uh, I will feel a lot better about the Dolphins making a playoff run if they can. They don't even have to beat the Bills. But if the offense just looks better, you know, Tua gets out dueled by Josh Allen, so be it. But I, I want the Dolphins' offense to look more like it did a month ago uh, than like it has the last couple weeks. Do do we even have the time for me to talk about Chip Kelly and how I think he actually is still a genius, but he just traded for Sam Bradford because he's an idiot? Um, so I, me calling him a genius and an idiot in the same sentence there. But um, I still think like football coach was like he went ten, he went ten and six his first two years. I think Chip, the player personnel and GM guy, was an absolute buffoon and a moron who probably made decisions off of like personal relationships with players, which is terrible. Um, but I think like the first two years, that offense was like top five to ten in every metric, um, especially obviously the first year with Foles. Um, but even that that third year, I think you can just like entirely place that blame on Sam Bradford being the most overhyped and overrated. I, You know what? This is funny. I totally forgot that you're an Oklahoma guy when I was just talking about Sam Bradford. Mm-hmm. I don't think you know this. Sam Bradford is my least favorite like athlete of all time. That doesn't surprise me. Sam Bradford is my uh, one of the first guys, and I don't know how I ended up here talking about Sam Bradford, but Sam Bradford is one of the first guys I can ever remember in any sport, like, when he was a draft prospect, I was like, I don't get it. Like, I was like, I just, why is this? This guy's like a negative athlete. He doesn't <laughs> have a big arm. Like, 
I just, I do not get it. 10-year-old Mark, or however old I was, was was furious that Sam Bradford was being talked about like he was Peyton Manning. And I, I just, I held that vendetta for years, and I felt like he got overrated through injury after injury after injury. I'll never forget the Eagles trading him. When I got that notification, my heart sank into my ch- into my stomach. And uh, his Eagles tenure only strengthened those feelings. Yeah, he looked good in that preseason game, though. He did. Hey, man, he broke a couple completion percentage records when he was here. It must uh, must mean he's awesome, right? Because completion yeah. percentage is if you that's all that matters, right? Definitely, definitely. Just ask just ask Giants fans that are on Twitter telling themselves Daniel Jones is still the answer. <laughs> all right, let's roll into the Monday night game, uh, a game that I don't have much to say about. Honestly, uh, the Patriots beat the Cardinals. In Arizona, 27-13, but the whole story of this game is Kyler Murray going down with a non-contact injury uh, was confirmed today to be uh, by an MRI to be his ACL. So Murray is done for the season, uh, likely misses uh, the beginning of next season as well. Uh, I think that Murray has probably played his last snap with uh, Kingsbury as his coach. I think Kingsbury mm-hmm. will be gone next year just uh, not that the Cardinals were going anywhere. Obviously, they were 4-8 and eight coming into this game, but that's a devastating blow to an organization that just extended Murray. And, you know, they just extended Kyler. and Or, I mean, not Kyler. They, they just extended uh, Kingsbury and their GM, all these guys this offseason, and they're about to just tear it down this, this offseason. Yeah, I've heard a lot of buzz about Sean Payton to the Cardinals. And why in the world? would Sean Payton accept this job? Like this, this seems like a dumpster fire. Like Arizona, they do not have a talented roster. Kyler Murray is now recovering from a torn ACL. I, is Kyler Murray going to be ready for next year? Like probably not. Like he'll probably uh, start the year on pup. I would imagine miss the first four weeks. That's what Wentz did. Right. Wentz came back around week four, week five. Right. I, Um, I, I, I don't think he was officially on pup because I think he came back before four games. But yeah, so it was he missed the first couple at least. Yeah, I think that'll kind of be the same same deal with Kyler, if not even even longer, with the fact that he's so reliant on his legs. Um, but this is you know there is no more like bleak injury for a team than the Cardinals dealing with Kyler, maybe like the Ravens with Lamar, but Kyler is basically that whole team. Um, and you know, there's even been issues with Kyler, obviously at this point, and uh, people have questioned if they should move on from him. I think we've both firmly been in the camp that he's the only thing right with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and they should move on from everything else, literally like get rid of the GM, get rid of the coach, get rid of like half the players and, and try to figure it out around Kyler unless I'm putting words in your mouth. Um, but, and I hate to be like, you know, literally 24 hours after an injury talking about like, how's this going to affect him in three years? But man, doesn't it feel like Kyler Murray is the exact player that a torn ACL could have like a long-term impact on as like confidence wise. And I, I just, I like Kyler. I'm actually, I'm a little bit of a Kyler defender and I, I'm pretty nervous about what this injury is going to do to his ability. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, he uses his mobility so much, and I feel like he's been hamstrung with a horrible head coach his entire tenure so far. 
uh, hopefully they can get the next hire right and you know they can make something happen but I'm definitely concerned about what Kyler's going to look like long term now yeah definitely uh prayers up for Kyler that sucks yeah all right. Well, that's a sour note to end the podcast on, I yeah, guess. But yeah, it really was the, it was oh, the wait, Monday night game, so I guess you could say that like the team that won's eight and six. <laughs> it is funny that we just like completely skip by that. The Patriots are just not good. Like they're not good. I bet them every week. They win sometimes. I, I don't I convince I, myself that they're good every week when betting them, but it's I love just, for the second week in a row you get footage of uh Mac Jones screaming obscenities at Matt Patricia from the side or from the field. So that's going well. Hiring a defensive coordinator to be your offensive play caller. That went well. I feel bad for Mac, man. That sucks for him that his second year, which should be like a year for growth and should be a year that you like start to see what you're going to be going forward. It's been, you get a defensive coordinator and Joe judge as your, as your play callers and, and, and whatever we want to say about Josh McDaniels, like he's Josh a great McDaniels offensive coordinator plays for 20 years or however long, 15 years, however long it's been like, it's yeah, it's a completely different world. I will say, um, I don't even, I'm, I don't have the stats right in front of me. Mac Jones was very good in this game. Like I thought Mac Jones made some nice throws. I thought he was, I thought Mac Jones was very, very solid. I'm pulling them up as uh, a 235 yards. Yeah. Only about like seven. YPA, it's nothing. It's nothing special, but just like eye test wise, I thought Mac was good. I, I'm I'm starting to become a little bit of a Mac Jones apologist, I think, because of how awful that situation is. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to about wrap up our Week 14 review show here. We touched on all of the games. I hope you guys got caught up on any of the action that you might have missed. Mark, uh, before we get out of here, do you have any final thoughts? Any takes you need to fire off? Anything like that? Uh, my uh, Will Anderson and Miles Murphy. Justice go to you. That's my that's those are my takes that I'll that I'll fire up. I've been watching uh, a ton of a ton of the you know the the normal pass rushers that are around the top ten, um, just to kind of get an early feel on how I feel about some of these guys before um, the the you know the real draft process starts for me. Um, and man, there there are some really really interesting pass rushers. Will Anderson has, you know, records in the SEC, and everyone that follows college football knows how good he is. Um, and then I think Miles Murphy and Tyree Wilson are, like, two dudes who, measurable-wise, are absurd and are going to rise up the draft boards, and they're already top ten guys. So a lot to pick from if the Eagles want to go get a pass rusher. But uh, like Shane mentioned earlier, you can check my radio show out on the Tough Cover Radio Show uh, on The Gambler every week on, uh, on iHeartRadio from 11 to 1. If you go to my Twitter, then uh, you'll you'll see that every Saturday. All right. Be sure you do follow Mark on Twitter. Check out his stuff. A lot of good content. we got a lot of off-season content coming down the pipe that we're excited to get to with draft and, and you know, sort of the creative things you do to talk football when there's not much football going on. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess I will say uh, I will not be on Chalk Talk next week. I'm going to be traveling for Christmas. And, Mark, maybe I should talk to you about this off the air. I don't know if you want to try to do something. <laughs> but uh, it'll be a little hit or miss over the next week with the holidays. But uh, we will be back. So if we take a week off here, don't, uh, don't panic. We're not going anywhere. Uh, we'll be back after the holidays to get you guys caught up and get you ready for the playoff stretch. So 
Uh, thank you everyone for joining us for episode number 84 of Chalk Talk. To those of you here uh, watching live that were dropping us comments, we really appreciate it. Uh, it makes it fun to interact with you guys on the show. Uh, those of you listening later, if you enjoy what you heard on the show, be sure you smash that subscribe button. Turn on notifications so you don't miss the next episode. Uh, give us five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us get the podcast out there to more people. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at half and half underscore TPL. He is at Mark Henry Jr. Uh, so from me, from Mark, and from the Painted Lines, we'll see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.